Enlorn. And I'm Donna Grace. Welcome to the Life Rebalanced Podcast. Today, we are talking about grief, the grief we personally experience due to any type of loss, and also the grief we're experiencing collectively as a society as the world changes due to COVID. And this is a topic Donna, Grace, and I have been discussing with each other for quite a while throughout this pandemic. And it's something that we really wanted to bring to you to discuss collectively. We were inspired, both of us listened to a podcast from Brené Brown, where she interviewed David Kessler. And David Kessler co-authored On Grief and Grieving with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And in it, they outlined the five stages of grief. And he recently came out with a sixth stage of grief, which is finding meaning. So in the course of the podcast, they were discussing this finding meaning component with grief. And we wanted to take some time to talk about how we have been grieving collectively and how we can find meaning. And if we can find meaning, wouldn't that be great? (laughs) It would be. One of the things that I know was a kind of a sticking point with both of the authors about the five stages of grief is that they are not linear. It's not just a path to walk down, which you check a box as you get through each stage, right? You can easily go Mm -hmm. back and experience again. It's not as if you're never allowed to be angry again about what you've went through just because you think you've resolved it. Right. And you know, when you get to acceptance, acceptance also doesn't mean that you're over it, right? Exactly. You could always, you never really... And I suppose it can depend what kind of loss you're talking about, but because there are many different types of loss. And just because one loss seems larger than another doesn't mean that you don't go through your stages or that you don't find it hard to grieve what may be smaller because what might be small to you might be big to someone else and everybody just has a different experience. But finding meaning is interesting because also like acceptance, it doesn't mean that you're getting over anything. But maybe it does mean that you can find more peace with yourself if you can find some meaning in the lesson from the tragedy. Right. Because I don't think that finding meaning means you find meaning in someone's death or meaning in the loss of a business or the loss of a relationship. Mm -hmm. I believe that it is more about being able to find meaning in the lessons that you've learned or have been able to learn as you go through it. Because I think that would be an even worse tragedy, I suppose, if you experience something awful and aren't able to come away with some sort of insight or... Yeah. But even if it's just increased compassion or empathy or or something, you know? Absolutely. And and you and I obviously are, are talking about this from a very personal perspective. We're not... We're not trained in managing grief or understanding grief and the grieving process, but we not only are experiencing this collective grief that everyone is kind of going through, which is acknowledging the loss of kind of life as we knew it to a certain extent. Obviously, things are going to change. Things will look different. Shaking hands might not be a thing anymore, for example. Hugging might be something that we don't do quite as frequently. Just that personal, that physical connection that we once had with people. And even as you and I talked about, Donna, in some ways throughout the pandemic, our relationships with certain individuals have grown stronger because we've made a point of connecting and reaching out to people maybe we didn't spend a lot of time with prior to this. 
because it's actually created some space, right? Like if you don't have, if you're, especially if you're a parent, I would say, if you don't have as many games and practices to go to and the schedule's just essentially cleared in a lot of ways, the social schedule at least, it does create a space maybe to reconnect with someone that you hadn't before or especially with older generations as now they're adapting to technology because if they don't, they really don't have any connection with the outside world, right? If you're not going out of your house, you don't get to sit down with someone. So if if grandparents want to talk to their grandkids, they want to be able to continue doing business, right? Mm -hmm. They pretty much had to adapt to some sort of video technology. So in some ways, there have been opportunities to connect with people in, in ways we didn't before. But certainly the ones that you were seeing a lot in person, right? maybe there's, there's a loss there. And I'm feeling that very on a personal level, just because for me, my brother and his sister had their first baby during this time. And so there was that... Congratulations. Thing. Yes, they're very excited. We're all very excited. She's beautiful and they're all doing great. But... My plan was to fly out to visit them and to be able to be there for his graduation and the baby and all of these things. There's just no replacement for, yes, we can Zoom and connect and see each other. There's no replacement for holding a newborn baby. That's just... No, there's not. And, you know, initially we all thought this was going to be a short-lived thing, right? I remember getting into this being like, just get through two weeks. Mm -hmm. Just get through two weeks, Right. And how many times I said that, and it was okay, another week Mm -hmm. and another week. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, you can objectively say to yourself, we're doing this for the greater good. We want to be healthy. We want to save lives. And so to say like, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry that you're not going to get to have your year end dance. I'm sorry that Mm graduation is going to look different. Sorry that you're not going to get to see your brother's graduation or, or your ne- is it a nephew or a niece? niece. I'm sorry, niece. Niece. Yeah, not going to get to see your your niece right away when she's born. Of course, objectively, you can step back and think in the grander scheme of things that it's small, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of can we save people's lives? Well, yes. If you're comparing everything to death, yes, death is always going to seem like the worst. But that doesn't mean that those other losses are not worthy of your grief. Yes. And when you try to tell yourself, when you judge yourself about it and try to tell yourself that you don't deserve to feel sad about those things, that can actually, it creates sort of like an unresolved feeling within yourself. You're not addressing it mm-hmm. and it can kind of make you feel worse. I Well, then you're layering guilt on top of grief, which yeah. just is not a good combination. It's not productive. No. And in that comparison, even as I'm describing the fact that I didn't get to see my niece right when she came home and probably won't get to see her for I mean, it's been a month at this point and probably another short little while. I'm thinking immediately about, well, there are plenty of service people who are deployed and don't get to see their own children born or experience time with them when they're that young as well. And so part of me feels, well, how it's a little bit selfish to be saying I'm experiencing grief with that. But as David Kessler said in the podcast with Brené Brown, the worst grief is yours. So. Any grief we're experiencing feels the same way. It's like when we look at our children during this time and look at the stress that they're experiencing. Like, I think a lot of times we don't recognize it because we're so caught up in our own stress, which comparatively seems much bigger. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. stress over job loss or insecurity about what is going to happen professionally. It could be any number of things. 
sick family members and your kids are over here feeling stressed and you're like, well, what's your stress about? Well, if their whole life is seeing their friends and everything is, you know, revolves around their, their school routine, then their lives essentially have been turned upside down in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to look and say, well, they're safe and happy and they're, they're playing here and they're connecting online with people, but it is not the same. And um, that's something I keep reminding myself of. Like if my kids are, mm-hmm. are being antsy, if they're being not themselves, as we like to say, I'm just trying to remember that mm-hmm. they're not themselves because they're in a situation that is not normal. Mm-hmm. That being said, kind of have to figure out how to create a safe, a safe feeling in all of this mm-hmm. for us and for our mm-hmm. children. Because the fact is, the beginning of this, we said we're, we're in a new world. Well, mm-hmm. We're not going back to the same way we did things. Right. Some things will go back to the way they were or similar to the way they were, maybe just a different version of it. But things aren't mm-hmm. going to go back. I'm really feeling, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but like very interested to see what's going to happen when it's time to actually go back to school. Uh, in the Northeast, we go back, to, we start school in September or the last week of August. Mm-hmm wondering what that is going to look like. I don't like a lot of what I'm seeing. I really don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the other hard part with all of this is layering the grief with the uncertainty. And Mm. that's, that just compounds the issue. One thing, Donna Grace, if you're open to talking about it, I know that you have really in your life dealt with some tremendous loss and grief. Mm. And I was wondering if you would be open to talking about that and maybe sharing if you find that having gone through the grieving process before, does that change how you approach grieving various other things? Or does it make it easier? Do you have ways that you deal with that that might be different from how other people are dealing with it? What are your thoughts on that? Sure. So the loss that you're referring to is the loss of one of my children. My second child was born in 2010 and her name's Abigail and she passed away as an infant. And um, I know a lot of people will go to, well, the loss of a child is the worst mm-hmm. loss you can experience. I'm not interested in like comparing <laughs> grief mm-hmm. or one loss to another, because like you mentioned that that quote earlier, that the worst loss you have is your mm-hmm. own, right? So I would say the biggest losses I've experienced in my life are actually the loss of my daughter and the loss of my grandmother. And I would say that if someone heard that, you say, well, you don't really, how can you possibly compare the two? But I'll tell you in the moment, each of them felt as deep Mm -hmm. to me. They really did. So that's why I don't like the idea of comparing and really do agree with that statement that the loss, the worst loss is your own. I really do um, agree with that. So that's the first thing I want to mention. In my situation, I knew that my daughter was sick. We knew in utero due to um, at our like eighteen week ultrasound, and so I knew that there was uh, there was a lot of risks. There were a lot of risks involved, and and that she was probably going to have a short life. So I was objectively prepared for that, right? And I'm a planner and a researcher. So the second I knew there was an issue, my reaction to dealing with stress is to try and plan it away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you have as much information as possible, then you can, you know, go into a situation with uh, proper expectations. So I will say that I went into this with proper expectations in that talking to a lot of doctors, people who had 
also had similar experiences with children with the same issues she had. She had a neurological condition. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew what we were up against. So that was very helpful. However, um, what surprised me was that I did have people ask me, well, you know, she was just an infant. So it wasn't like you had a long relationship with her. But the thing that you do as a mother or a father, I suppose, when you're pregnant is you're, you're building a relationship the whole time because once you're pregnant, you're imagining your expectations. Yes. So it's not just the loss of a person or a relationship. It's the loss of, of the expectation that you had. And I actually think that that is a great parallel to what a lot of people are experiencing right now. They are experiencing the loss of expectations that they had for this year, this time, the end of their school, like they've had built up expectations, people's weddings. Mm -hmm. I realize it is not the same as a child, but it's a parallel experience in that you you are losing something you have built up and built feelings around and expectations for. And I think it hit me as you were saying that. I think it's so profound to say that because really all of it is a loss of your hopes, dreams, expectations, Mm, Yeah, whether it's a a person you're losing or a job or a relationship or any of the things we're talking about. That really is, it's that that loss of expectation. And Mm -hmm. I would relate it to say that even having a miscarriage, I, I had a miscarriage at 10 weeks and part of me at the time felt guilty for mourning that loss the way I did, but I identified... Because it could have been worse? Yeah, oh, yes, that exactly. I yeah. could have been 26 weeks pregnant or I could have gone full term. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. we have these feelings of guilt and I think it is important and I appreciate you acknowledging that really all that grief, it feels the same in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I um, I did learn a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did learn a lot from my experience and the biggest lesson... I say there's two biggest lessons. One is that you just never know what someone else is going through, like at all. You, you have no idea what someone else is going through. Because I, after I had Abby, um, she she only lived for a few days, so she never left the hospital. And when I came out, I had to take some time off because I'd had a C-section and I had to deal with that. So I was dealing with all of the hormonal issues and you know, recovery from physical childbirth. And then also all of the issues that go along with grief. And for me personally, I don't remember how much, I probably took like eight weeks off of work. And then I went, mm-hmm. went back, like kind of standard what you would have done after a C-section anyways. Mm-hmm. And I went back to work. I wanted to be, I needed something to focus on, <laughs> frankly. Mm-hmm. And I had an, another child too. My, my son Connor was of school age. He was in pre-K at the time. So I mean, I had to focus on taking care of him and taking care of work. That was a good thing, but also giving Mm -hmm. myself space to take care of myself during that time. And for me, absolutely like seeking therapy was part of it, like accepting help and talking to people, talking to other people who had experienced was a huge part of my grieving and healing process. And when you talk about healing Mm -hmm. process, healing doesn't mean like, like before when we talk about acceptance and finding meaning, it doesn't mean that you're over it by any means. I've seen lots of parents ask in grief chat rooms online, like in private communities, people mm-hmm. say I should be getting over it. I'm like, well, you never get over it. I mean, my gosh, my loss was 10 years ago and I'm not over it. I'm still sad that I lost my daughter. I'll tell you one thing, like I cry a lot more easily than I, than yeah. I did before. 
Well, I just wanted to say that I didn't know you then. Right. So I will just acknowledge that I definitely see in you that that compassion and understanding that you carry with you forward and that you generously give to those around you is something that is really tremendous. And to talk about finding meaning in that, you are an inspiration to other people in that way. In addition to just having that be a very, very beautiful part of who you are. So very kind of you. Thank you. Well, but I, I do. I mean, I, it definitely, when I see someone who's crabby or mean or mm-hmm. responds with a snippy attitude, I, I'm definitely less judgmental of it and really try to say, I don't know what happened to them right before mm-hmm. they came in here. I don't know if your mother is dealing or their partner is dealing with cancer treatments. You don't know if they've just gotten really bad news. I don't know. I try to, I think I used to make things about myself and and like, well, how are you treating me? Why would you treat me this way? And just try to remind myself that Mm -hmm. when people are acting hurt, it's probably hurt people, hurt people, right? So if if you're acting out, it's probably because you're hurting about something and trying to approach that with some compassion. And I think that that's my meaning. it, It is, it is. And what you just said, I'm seeing happen generally speaking, with what's been going on with the pandemic, I think we're all much more apt to give each other grace and be understanding about the challenges. And we're more understanding of our children's maybe outbursts or their feelings. And I think I would love to see maybe if as a whole, we as a society could have much more compassion toward each other as a result of this. Hey, if that's part of the world that doesn't go back to normal. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's uh, so many good Facebook, not face Instagram, whatever, you know, social media quotes posted saying, um, you know, well, what if, you know, this is, what if this is an opportunity, you know, an opportunity to be kinder and, and change the world going forward in that way, an opportunity to be more considerate of our neighbors and remember that we're not islands mm-hmm. and we're, we're part of the community mm-hmm. and we need to care for each other. Well, that, that would be a good result from this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that it's okay to be in those different stages of grief, to feel the anger, to be in the mm-hmm. depression stage. We aren't all going to be processing it the same way and our timelines are all going to be different. So it's okay to acknowledge the potential good that will result from it while also grieving the loss that occurred from it as well. And just because you can find meaning in something bad that happens or something good that results in the end doesn't mean that you're glad the bad thing happened. Mm-hmm. I want to like make that statement really clear. Like I'm not glad that I had a child who died. Like that is not a thing. I am glad that I'm able to look at other people's situations a li- with a little more kindness and empathy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. glad about that. Not glad that it happened. So don't feel guilty for acknowledging a positive right a positive result it doesn't mean that you don't recognize the tragedy that people are experiencing during the time i mean you've experienced you know loss as well and it does yes i was just going to say what you just said mm-hmm. correlates exactly with my feelings about divorce mm-hmm. it is the loss of the expectation of what you thought your future was going to look like it's the loss of a relationship it's it's not something that Again, it's not something I would want, but given that it 
has happened, then I, in the acceptance phase of grief over that, am looking to find meaning, to find something from it that I can take away that makes me a better person moving forward. Do you find in the relationships that you are are maintaining on a close level right now? Mm -hmm. And I I say it specifically that way because we all have a lot of relationships, but there are some that we're definitely gaining more insight to the way they're dealing with things right now, whether it be professional or personal. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. do you find a big difference in the way you see some people handling things. And the reason I ask that question is because when people, you know, look at the stages of grief, there's kind of this idea that there's a path and a timeline Mm -hmm. and there's really not, Mm -hmm. right? It's not a linear path Mm -hmm. and it's not a timeline that we stick to. And I think it's important for us right now to be recognizing that when we see people like, how are you doing COVID? Are you doing COVID better than we are? Like, are you dealing better? (laughs) And like, I had to give myself a minute professionally certainly about it. How have you seen people in your circles and and what do you see, you know, in terms of the differences in the way people deal? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. And it really comes down a lot to, I think, personality type too. So we see the Mm. people who are taking to social media and digging in. And I have some of these people in my personal life as well, where it's, I'm going to make the most of this situation and I'm going to rekindle my love of sewing and baking <laughs> and all things. <laughs> Gosh, they're so useful. Yeah, Can exactly. They with me? They're sewing masks, which is amazing and wonderful. And really, I think sometimes those people are are jumping straight to the finding meaning component, right? And I don't know what process they have gone through, but I think that... Others of us are in the anger stage. I see people who are angry and have all of this pent-up frustration um, and they express it as political overreach or feeling like their lives are being controlled Mm -hmm. in ways that they don't believe is okay. And that's not to say that those people don't have Mm -hmm. tremendous compassion for those who have been affected by covid and obviously, I think at the end of the day, we we all value human life and want to preserve it. We just have different ways of of how we think that can be accomplished. Um, so there are people who are in that anger phase. And then I will admit, I think for myself and for a number of my close friends, we've been kind of in the depression phase where everyone I'm talking to is sleeping in later and feeling a little more lethargic and kind of out of their normal routines. And it is that just kind of low level, can't really pinpoint it, but it's because of everything that's going on. And when this all started and it was like two weeks at a time kind of thing, if my gosh, if they just said from the beginning, and of course they couldn't, no one could say this because no one really knew, but if they said from the beginning, this is going to be a crappy three months. (laughs) We've got three months Mm -hmm. and uh, you're going to have to deal. Nothing's going to happen during this time in terms of gatherings. This is, these are all the things we're looking at. Mm -hmm. People would have been able to deal better because they could see the light at the end of the tunnel and have those expectations. But when all you're doing is continually grieving the loss of something you hoped to do and not knowing when Mm -hmm. something's going to change, that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm pretending things are going to happen in the fall not pretending, hoping yes. 
things are going to happen in the fall, knowing there's a chance they might not, but I have to make myself believe that that that's, you know, what, what I have on the calendar is going to be there. Otherwise I'll fall into that. I already am sleeping later than I used to. It's going to be worse. It's going to be worse. It's going Mm -hmm. to be worse. Mm -hmm. I've started, I've started to try to reset and I'm, I'm happy about that. What does that look like for you? What are you doing to reset? Better routine, better routine. So I kind of lost my routine for a while or, or I changed my routine. You could say Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I changed it and I've been gradually trying to improve it along the way. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the nicer weather has certainly been helpful in that regard, but I've started making sure I'm up at a certain time, even if I don't have to be. Mm -hmm. And I used to specifically exercise in the morning. I don't specifically exercise in the morning now, but I do schedule it. Mm -hmm. So having it in the schedule on the calendar makes a really big difference for me. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see people, not a lot of people, but we've kind of created our our COVID bubble now Mm -hmm. for stage two, I would say. Mm -hmm. For stage two and three, we've like gone outside of our house and there are a couple of people, it's mostly family that we will see now. And that's made a huge difference. We were at my parents' house the other day and uh, the kids were all swimming in the pool and I looked at my father and I said, are you feeling happy right now? And he said, yes. He's like, this, this is making me so happy. It just feels more normal. Yes. And I think that as people have those opportunities, it's going to make a big difference in their ability to, again, grieve what did not happen over the last few months, grieve the expectations of what would be happening this summer, because let's face it, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm but I do think it's helpful. How about for you? Where do you stand? Um, for me, I think I'm I'm transitioning into the acceptance phase. And f- for me, that looks like a reset as well to a certain extent. And the way I'm doing that to catapult myself back to some semblance of normal, I do very well with very strict guidelines. So I'm going back to what kind of launched a lot of my wellness journey, which was the Whole30. And the thing I love about the Whole30 is, number one, you're cutting out a lot of things like sugar and alcohol, which may have become coping mechanisms during this time. And when I say may have, I mean definitely have (laughs) been coping mechanisms during this time. I think that's a very universal thing. And and what I really loved about the Whole30 is it really makes you reflect on your relationship with food. And I think food has been a comfort for myself. And I think a lot of us during this time. And add me to your side of the list on this. Exactly. One of my favorite posts I've seen is a picture. It's a cartoon of a fat cat, like laying on a towel, sunning, because cats Uh like to sun. And a really fit, again, a cartoon woman in in a bathing suit next to the cat. And it Uh says me over the cat and then uh, over the woman, people who took fitness seriously during quarantine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's not even about size necessarily as no. it is how I feel. And I feel like the cat. <laughs> and that is exactly what I was going to say is that it's really not about size. It's not about that. It's really about, it's like a cleanse for not just your body, but for your mind. And by resetting my relationship with food and how I view nutrition and 
what I'm fueling my body with, then I'm also then reevaluating what am I fueling my mind with? What kinds of things am I putting in? And how is it contributing to my growth and development and forward progress? I think I'm at that place now in this grief process that we're describing where I'm... And that's not to say that I won't be sitting here next week saying I've slipped back into or this has crept back in because as we already said, the grief is not a linear process. These things are reference points. And as David Kessler said to Brené Brown, it's a scaffolding that we can use to explain the grief process. But I'm to a certain extent like your dad ready to get back to what feels like more normal. And another area that made me think about the fact that finding meaning in all of this, taking away such gratitude for the things that we took for granted before. Hmm. Yeah. Is something that I, that, that is one thing I really want my kids to walk away with for one thing. And also myself to really say, I'm not going to take things for granted. Just like I took for granted full use of my ankle until I fractured it. And and (laughs) a darn ankle. (laughs) I know, I know it's on the mend, but it gives you a new appreciation for things. And I think that that's the place where I am now. And I am looking to find meaning in all of this and take away some positive. You know, when you were talking about resetting with the Whole30 and specifically about eating foods that will fuel your body and and that sort of thing, you sounded hopeful. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what's kind of been lacking is, in a way, is a sense of, of hope. Not that we were all hopeless, but just that when you don't have things to look forward to, why do you care? (laughs) You know, like for me, I need a reason to care about, and this sounds like it should be so obvious. Of course I should care about eating well and exercising and taking care of myself. And of course I should care about being focused professionally Mm -hmm. and, and all those things, right. And putting in the extra effort, but it's hard to, when you feel a huge cloud of uncertainty. It's hard to, when you hear about a lot of negativity and you see your children being sad and mm-hmm. your partner being sad, maybe, or just, just people in general grieving mm-hmm. over their losses. Like that's, it's hard to feel hopeful during that. So it's nice to hear you say that you're at a point where you're, I feel like that's what's shining through, like, <laughs> you know, yes. in these words. I'm glad that's shining through. I'm glad because I do feel hopeful. And I think, again, I'm looking at ways, talking about professionally, thinking about wellness, not just from a nutrition and exercise standpoint, but from a financial perspective, something Mm -hmm. I'm seeing with a lot of people I'm working with. The market feels very hopeful. I mean, it does. (laughs) (laughs) It absolutely does. But I think even on a personal level, I think this time has given people a lot of opportunity to really reprioritize they're spending. And what are the things I was doing before that didn't really bring me joy or add value to my life? And do I need to add those back in or do I want to direct my resources somewhere else? You know, that's a great point. And I like that you just said, Mm -hmm. direct your resources because it's the resources of our time, our energy, our talent, and our money, right? Those are all, those are our big resources, right? And coming out of this, I mean, if we can look at this as an opportunity to say, where is it most important for me to direct those resources? It's really an opportunity. It really, really, really is. 
I was talking to another advisor in my office and he said that he spoke with a friend of his who said, you know, during this time, I've actually, we've paid off our debt and established an emergency fund because they're not paying for childcare. They're not going Mm -hmm. out. So they had this cash flow. They're both still working, working from home. So I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's been incredibly stressful for them, but they use the opportunity to direct their resources to shore themselves up financially. And they're going to come out of this in a much better position. And it's something I've been thinking about too, as I looked through my, our checking accounts to see where cash was going. And I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, like this, do I miss going out? Sure. I love going out to eat. Let's be very clear. I love socializing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. But I don't feel ready to go sit shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people in a busy place. So that's something that I see changing mm-hmm. for me kind of going forward, but also mm-hmm. trying to view it as an opportunity to connect with people in different ways and, and maybe not spend as much money. It wasn't a goal of mine, but right. I'm certainly happy if that's the result. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have had that same result that you just described, which again is silver lining, finding meaning, however we want to spin it. I am ready to be hopeful about all of this. And what we're seeing is giving us hope. And I just would really like to see that continue. And I I think maybe a good thing to take us out of this conversation would be to revisit in what ways you're giving yourself grace during this time. <laughs> you were going to say that. I was about to ask you. Great minds. <laughs> how are you giving yourself grace? So do you want to answer first? Sure. <laughs> okay. I really, one area I will fully fess up and say I'm giving myself grace is when it comes to my kids and school. It was a point of a lot of stress for all of us. And I just decided that At the end of the day, I need to accept that my kids are doing the best that they can. I'm doing the best that I can. Their teachers are doing the best that they can. And ultimately, what I decided to focus on was the experiences that we can have together during this time that are going to have such an impression on them going forward. So to think about the hikes we've gone on, the things we've done at home while in quarantine that are connective and can make this a memorable experience for them because I have to step back and realize 50 years from now, they're going to remember the fact that school was out and they were at home with mom or dad during this time and they survived this pandemic that was going on. And for them, it will be something in the history books. And they may not remember what they learned in history class (laughs) during this time. And that's okay. The bigger... They'll remember how they felt though. Exactly. They'll remember how they felt. They'll remember that they're not going to remember oh, people were dying. They're going to remember we got ice cream or we went on a hike. Mm -hmm. Not to say that they won't remember people died, but you know what I mean. Yes. They'll remember that they weren't feeling scared necessarily, but that they were, you know, had a special time with you or yes, their dad. Exactly. How about you, Donna Grace? What have you been doing to give yourself? Oh, Grace, Grace all over the place, right? <laughs> it's literally my middle name. Um, so I, <laughs> in the beginning, I was really feeling down on myself for not sticking to my like super early get up time, my super early wake up. I mean, I'm usually up before five o'clock. 
So at first I was very disappointed in myself, but I just couldn't push myself to do it. I just couldn't do it. I did it until my gym closed, quite frankly. And once the Mm -hmm. gym closed, I could not get myself to regularly get up early and work out in my living room. Does not work for me. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of gave myself grace across the board (laughs) about Mm -hmm. exercising and keeping to a specific, um, I don't even have a specific diet, but you know, whatever was for dinner was for dinner. If we had pizza three times in a week, we had pizza three times in a week because we're trying to figure out how to do distance learning. We're trying to figure out, for me, try to figure out how to work at a time that was really busy. So for several weeks, that was, it just was what it was. Mm -hmm. Now I'm starting to do better on both fronts, thankfully for Mm -hmm. everybody who has to deal with me. When I'm practicing better (laughs) health habits, I'm better to be around. That's definitely something... um, Something that is true. I'm right. And it also includes going to bed earlier. Also, now, only now have I started giving myself grace about work. Mm -hmm. I was really working a lot. It was it was working overtime, a lot more hours of reading, of client phone calls and emails, of there was just a lot going on and feeling like I had to do as much as some of my colleagues who aren't raising kids during this time had to do. And that was Oh man, that was hard for me mm-hmm. at first. I really, I felt like I wanted to be doing all of that. And I had to prioritize and look around and say, all right, these are my choices. This is what I have to work with. What is the most important at this time? And I really wish I could have done better on social media during this time or created more video content. Or there were a lot of areas that I, I wished I could have put the foot on the gas more mm-hmm. in terms of, of advertising and business development during this time. And I just, I just couldn't. I had to serve the people I had as well as I possibly could. And I feel good about that. So I gave myself a lot of grace, I'd say, during this time. (laughs) As we all should have. And I hope that in listening to our conversation today, you're able to give yourself grace in all of this and also remind yourself to have compassion toward others, but also compassion toward yourself. Mm. Because... We are all doing the best that we can. And I would also say that I hope that you can leave this conversation with the idea that along your journey and your path of grief, whether it be with loss during this time or other personal loss that you have, that when you do get to the right point, you will feel hope again too. And that is when you can figure out how to reset and don't judge yourself along the way first. 100% no judging. No judging. Be well. You are.